Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God our helper, show us your ways and teach us your paths. By your Holy Spirit, open our minds that we may be led in your truth. Pour into our hearts the power of your grace so that we can find the courage to be faithful through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the second book of Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 19. Naaman, a general for the king of Aram, was a great man and highly regarded by his master, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This man was a mighty warrior, but he had a skin disease. Now Aramean raiding parties had gone out and captured a young girl from the land of Israel. She served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master could come before the prophet who lives in Samaria. He would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the young girl from the land of Israel had said. Then Aram's king said, Go ahead, I will send a letter to Israel's king. So Naaman left. He took along ten kikars of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He brought the letter to Israel's king. It read, Along with this letter, I'm sending you my servant Naaman so you can cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he ripped his clothes. He said, What? Am I God to hand out death and life? But this king writes me, asking me to cure someone of his skin disease. You must realize that he wants to start a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that Israel's king had ripped his clothes, he sent word to the king, Why did you rip your clothes? Let the man come to me. Then he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots. He stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger who said, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and become clean. But Naaman went away in anger. He said, I thought for sure that he'd come out, stand and call on the name of, of the Lord Jesus, Lord his God, wave his hand over the bad spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't the rivers in Damascus, the Abana, the Farpar, better than all Israel's waters? Couldn't I wash in them and get clean? So he turned away and proceeded to leave in anger. Naaman's servants came up to him and spoke to him. Our father, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? All he said to you was, wash and become clean. So Naaman went down and bathed in the Jordan seven times, just as the man of God had said. His skin was restored like that of a young boy, and he became clean. He returned to the man of God with all his attendants. He came and stood before Elisha, saying, 
Now I know for certain that there's no God anywhere on earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, I swear by the life of the Lord I serve that I won't accept anything. Naaman urged Elisha to accept something, but he still refused. Then Naaman said, If not, then let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth. Your servant will never again offer entirely burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other gods except the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master comes into Remen's temple to bow down there and is leaning on my arm, I must also bow down in Remen's temple. When I bow down in Remen's temple, may the Lord forgive your servant for doing that. Elisha said to him, go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week, um, Josh Lemons, our associate pastor, talked about kind of that demo day work of grace that requires a renaming. So we continue to move in our Fixer Up project from that renaming into restoration. Now, restoration, that's an interesting word. I'm not talking about restoration hardware. I don't think there's any actual restoration that goes into what you buy there, except maybe later a restoration of your credit score. <laughs> the kind of restoration that we're discussing or talking about is that making something that is old new again. Now, um, I had gotten some pictures. What does it mean to be restored? Right? I, some of y'all are better at this than I am. 57 Chevy? Is that about right? Yeah. Um, what does it look like to be restored? Right? What does it mean to be restored? Right? Now, I love this picture. I didn't take this one, but I have one that's very similar to it. Um, two years ago, when I was able to go on a continuing ed trip uh, to Scotland and uh, England, um, we had a half day that was free. And so I took off um, on a train and then a bus and then a taxi uh, to get to the Queen Mother Reservoir outside of London. Now, um, I have no, um, uh, you know, I have no interest in seeing reservoirs. They're not the most interesting place. But there was a British sailing academy that was um, on that reservoir, and I thought, ha, I'm gonna go sailing in England. Um, but there was absolutely no wind, right? It was almost like God said, nope, you're not sailing today. And so I started walking back. I had um, missed um, the bus, and so I thought I'd just go ahead and walk. And so I spent probably about a two-mile walk um, through uh, back roads um, outside of London, a uh, really beautiful area, and I came up upon uh, a mini like the red one. And I just thought, ooh, isn't that fascinating, right? How old is that car? Um, how someone has loved that car. Now, now let me be honest, right? I, I drive a Mini, well, I did uh, drive a Mini Cooper. Um, my, my Mini has uh, clearly not been loved well enough. Um, uh, I blew a head gasket. Um, the value of the repair is almost equal to the value of the car. Um, it's sitting in the driveway. Anybody wants it, I'll sell it to you right now. Um, what does it mean to be restored? Well, here's my idea. What it means to be restored, what, what restoration requires is that at least one person not give up. 
I mean, the difference between these two cars is that somebody along the way didn't give up. They just didn't give up. They loved it. They cared for it. It became restored. Um, we can also look at houses, right? What does it mean to be restored? Um, I, I like this next one a lot. Um, this is an antebellum Civil War uh, plantation home uh, in Mississippi that was restored. What does it take to be restored? Well, what it takes to be restored is it requires that one person not give up. That one person is willing to put in the elbow grease, to get uh, knee deep in the muck, to not give up on whatever it is, a car, a house, us. What does restoration require? So our story today from scripture comes from the Old Testament. It's a story about Naaman. Naaman was a general, a commander of Syria's army. Now, now I know that you know, we have lots of pride in, the, um, in Israel, um, in, in the, the God of Israel and in um, the role that it plays. Um, but back in those days, um, Israel was, it wasn't the strongest power. I mean, you had Egypt, you had Babylon, you had um, Syria. In a lot of ways, Syria was the, um, the bully of the schoolyard in the Fertile Crescent. Uh, and so uh, Syria had already attacked. They, were, they had raiding parties that were coming into Israel. And Naaman was the king of Syria's favorite general. Think MacArthur, right? Think of um, you know, that picturesque kind of general and was well regarded. But one thing about Naaman is he had leprosy. Now, now, leprosy, um, we know leprosy today to be a particular disease that affects the nerves. Uh, it uh, makes it hard for you to feel pain. You can still feel pressure and a lot of other things, but it's the, the pain issue that's most difficult. So if you can't really feel pain, then maybe your hand gets too close to the burner on the stove, but you don't know that you're suffering burns because that pain uh, signal doesn't come back. And so oftentimes we see pictures of folk who have leprosy who have lost uh, fingers or limbs or parts of their bodies. Now, now, I'm not so sure that Naaman had that kind of leprosy. You see, leprosy was so terrifying in biblical days that it was a huge umbrella of a disease. Uh, that, that in fact, anything that was kind of rash-like or uh, eczema-like on your skin would be really easy for people to go, ooh, cooties, or I mean, sorry, leprosy. And even in Jesus' day, they would establish leper colonies. And if they suspected that you had leprosy, you had to leave your family and your community and live alone because they really felt that it was that um, contagious and that destructive. So it's interesting that Naaman has leprosy even as uh, this very effective general of the army of Syria. And so Syria's king writes a letter to the king of Israel. Um, it's hand-delivered. Naaman shows up with it. N notice that Naaman comes with his entourage, right? Shekels of gold and cars of silver and ten changes of clothes. I really don't think that uh, the general uh, Naaman is a clothes horse. Uh, my guess is that that's not a show of um, affluence, that probably exegetically speaking, that that was um, a factor that he had a skin disease. And I imagine if you had a rash or a burn or a sore, um, it'd be really nice to change those clothes regularly for cleanliness. But he also came with soldiers and chariots, um, all to show up on the king of Israel's doorstep with a handwritten letter from his boss. I love the response of the king of Israel. 
He reads the letter and he's like, oh my goodness, there's no cure for leprosy in the world. But the language in the letter says, please cure my general of leprosy. So the king of Israel, um, he, he rips his clothes which is kind of the biblical equivalent of um, being so sad and depressed that you binge Golden Girls on Netflix, right? <laughs> He's just done, right? Surely the king of Syria just wants to pick a fight with me. Oh, woe's me, right? Um, but Elisha hears of the king's uh, predicament, sends a word to the king of Israel and says, send the man to me. I will show him that there is a prophet in Israel still. And so the king sends Naaman with all of his um, uh, horses and uh, chariots and soldiers, all the king's men, um, to Elisha's uh, hut. Um, Elisha uh, then chooses, let's see, um, Sorry, got excited. Still got excited. Here's the funny thing. Elisha doesn't even come out to greet Naaman. He sends out a messenger and the messenger looks him over and goes, oh yeah, leprosy. Go wash seven times in the river Jordan, you're good. And Naaman, he didn't like this. He says, really? I'm the general of the army of Syria. I'm an important man. At least you could come out and, you know, wave your arms and call on the name of the Lord. Maybe set a bonfire magically on fire and then heal me. But instead you send your servant out and he says, hey, uh, go wash over there. Naaman's not happy. Naaman's not happy because he wanted something more fabulous, more amazing, more dramatic. Now, pause for a moment. Are we not like Naaman? Are we not like Naaman? Oh Lord, heal me of my problem. Oh Lord, take care of me. We often talk about the four Ds here at Chapelwood. These are things that happen that often disrupt our faith. They could be um, death, diagnosis, divorce, uh, disorder, disruption. You could say, Peter, you've already said four. Why do you keep saying words that begin with D? That's because there's more than really four, but it's really simple to begin that way. We all have those experiences where life gets uprooted, where things get turned over, where we can't believe that it's happened to us. And what might be the fix? The fix could be as easy as reading scripture and praying. The fix could be as easy as attending worship and being supported by a community. The fix could be as easy as joining a small group. But, but you know, that, that's all simple. We got rivers back in Syria. Are our rivers back in Syria not as fancy as the River Jordan? It's a tiny little dirty river. Ours are much more majestic. Naaman wants something flashy. He wants something challenging. He doesn't want to do what everybody else does. Do you ever think that God's already provided uh, that opportunity for change, that God's already um, provided the way of healing, that God has already provided the path out of the valley that we're stuck in, but we are so prideful that we cannot believe it can be that easy that we don't even see what God's provided. So Naaman was angry. 
he went away and uh, he says, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and cure this leper. And so finally he goes out and he washes in the Jordan seven times. And when he comes back, see, um, Elisha, God's power doesn't just cure up the leprosy. Uh, God's uh, power doesn't just make it disappear, but rather scripture says that his skin was restored like that of a young boy and he became clean. Like a young boy. I will not do the rabbit trail of um, age uh, defying products, oil of Olay being one of them, that we spend tons of money in the cosmetic industry, both for men and women, so that we can reclaim our youth. I won't go there today, but isn't it interesting? And so Naaman not only healed, but actually uh, made to look young. He says to um, Elisha, he says, you know, let me pay you. He says, let me give you a gift. And I love Elisha's response. Elisha says, yeah, I'm good. But what? Yeah, you're good. I have shekels of gold and cars of silver. I have chariots and soldiers, and I still have probably about five or six changes of clothes that I haven't used yet. Are you sure you don't want payment for this? You see, um, Elisha lives in a different world. The general is used to power and strength and affluence. Why in the world wouldn't Elisha take payment? Elisha says, hey, you know, me and Elijah, we've really been cared for well by God. Do you remember? Uh, let me tell you this story about we were in a foreign land and we were so hungry and thirsty that God had the crows come and bring us food and we ate perfectly well. I'm good. I don't need your gold and silver. And, and so uh, Naaman kind of flips the tables on uh, Elisha. He says, great, if you don't want money, that's fine. Um, the other thing in a biblical culture between uh, the value of treasure was the value of loyalty. And so as you read scripture this afternoon, re reviewing the story, Naaman says to Elisha, my servant, what? Generals don't, have, uh, generals don't become servants, they have servants. And here, uh, the general of the army of Syria is telling the prophet of Israel, I will be your servant. Let me take with me a couple of truckloads of dirt. You, you, you see, Naaman hasn't really figured it out yet. He still think it, it has to do something with the river or something to do with the dirt or something to do with the place. But you and I both know it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the power of the God of Israel. And so Elisha humors him. Yeah, yeah, probably. I was hoping to put a hot tub over there anyways. Why don't you go ahead and take that dirt? That'd be fine. And then most interesting, right? He carries off the dirt and he says, please forgive me. Because when I get home, when the king asks me to kneel in the temple, I'm going to have to. But please know that I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. I mean, this is a powerful story that illustrates uh, some of our reluctance to allow God to restore us. If it was that easy, God, are, are you sure? I mean, I'm a big mess. Don't you think it's going to take a little bit more like, you know, maybe one of those, you know, slay me in the spirit like they do on the TV preachers? I mean, like something more. 
But God says no. Sometimes restoration is as simple as washing in the River Jordan seven times. And we won't do the rabbit trail where we talk about how baptism is really important and John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. We won't go there. But what is it like to begin thinking that all that restoration requires is that one person not give up? You see, Naaman was willing to do a whole lot more difficult things, and Elisha was not going to give up on him. Sometimes I find that uh, in church, um, we have given up on ourselves. Uh, maybe it's been a divorce. Uh, maybe it was a diagnosis. Um, the powerful difficulty of the phrase stage four. I mean, there are so many difficult things that can cut us down to size, that can steal our joy, that can rob us of hope, that we assume we are done and dead. There's nothing that anyone can do for us. And so we quit coming to church because, you know, I mean, once once you've had one of those four D's happen, you, you just you, I mean, God only takes care of people who are holy and perfect. Right. Sarcasm. <laughs> And so it's easy to think, having separated us ourselves from the church, that no one really cares for us, that everyone's given up on us. Until we remember that restoration, it just requires that one person not give up. I think it's interesting that Jesus talks in the Gospels about Naaman. That Naaman isn't just some strange, off-the-cuff, weird story in the Old Testament. But Jesus said there were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. This comes in a long list that Jesus is talking about the unbelief of Israel, that, that God is capable, but what needs to happen is for people to have faith in what God's able to do, that God says what God's going to do, but for some reason, the people of Israel have decided that God's not capable of that anymore. You ever found yourself in that place? I mean, God does really good things, but I'm really, I'm a freak ship. I'm a hot mess. God doesn't work in hot messes. Jesus says, yeah, he does. If restoration only requires that one person not give up, we actually have ministries here um, in, uh, at Chapelwood that's about providing you that one person who won't give up. Stephen Ministry is a great example. Uh, lay, lay folk who are trained for 50 hours in lay pastoral caregiving, paired up uh, men with men, women with women for a confidential, confidential caregiving relationship. So confidential, do you know how confidential it is? I have no idea who receives care from Stephen Ministers. That's how important it is to keep that confidentiality. And I can't tell you how many times after someone's completed their uh, receiving care from a Stephen minister, they will come and find me and tell me, this was the most amazing experience in my life. I do not know how I would have come back from where I was if it weren't for the care and the prayer and the willingness to not give up of my Stephen minister. In fact, I think the restoration that Stephen ministry provides is so powerful but I have a quick two-minute video that I'd love for you to hear. It's just very rewarding to, to know that you've helped someone walk a very difficult path and to get them to the other side. Restoration requires that one person not give up. Uh, um, next week, Stephen and Shree will have an open house 
Uh, they're hoping to have another training. Uh, I hope that if you feel called to care for others, that you might give an opportunity either uh, in between services or after the service in the fellowship hall. There'll be an open house kind of question and answer time for you to explore that. And here's another one to think about. What is it like to realize that Jesus in scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, says at the end of the Great Commission, you've probably learned it in vacation Bible school, you've probably heard it preached over and over again, right? It says, um, go into all the world and make disciples, um, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, that restoration is possible for all of us. Because Jesus has said, I'm never going to leave you. It's almost like Jesus is that person who will never give up. I want to encourage you. We're all fixer-uppers. We are all in need of God's grace. We are all in need of a, a hope and a joy to walk toward. And so in the midst of this series, as you watch, this door gets transformed, right? I, I know it's gotten five less layers of paint, but, but it's not done yet. I wonder, I'm pretty sure God's not done with you yet either. What would it be like for us to trust that Jesus is that one last person who will never give up and be happy to get knee deep into our mess to bring about grace so that we might be all whom God has called us to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.